0: Good evening, welcome. Good to see you here. Uh, my name's Daniel. I run the youth Program here at Nairobi baptist church It's it 's lovely to to be with adults on a Friday night when usually I would be hanging out with your teenagers um, they 've they've gone off the pot pot, so hopefully well, I know that they 'll be in good hands because that youth leader' equality uh, i 'm glad to be with you tonight and uh, to have a, a parent seminar with you about helping your child understand sexuality, um, we have our, our speaker, Dr. Patricia Wirakoon. Um, we're very grateful to have her speaking to us. And the reason, I just wanted to give you a bit of an idea of the evening before we, we hop into it and Patricia presents. Um, but the reason that we run parent seminars here at Advent Baptist Church is because we see um, parents as the people who do the main discipling, uh, the main, um, yeah, in, in the family. And so we, we love to, as a youth ministry and as a kids ministry, we love to partner with parents to see their kids live Flourishing lives. That's that's basically what we want to do. We want to partner with parents to see kids live full and flourishing lives. Uh, and part of that, we think, is is helping you guys to to work out how to to parent. Um, I'm not a parent. I, I don't have experience. But I, I watched a couple of people do it, my parents, um, and they kind of stumbled their way through. But you know, we all turned out all right. Um, so at least my mom tells me that's what she th- that's what she thinks. So it's a, that's good. Um, but to give you a bit of an idea about what we're doing tonight. It's a, it's a parent seminar to, to help you understand how to speak to your kids about sexuality. Um, I remember growing up, I spoke very little to my parents about sexuality, and I was very happy about that. <laughs> it wasn't really something I wanted to speak to my parents about. I think most of my sexual education came from SBS, uh, which is not exactly something that I'm proud of, but I think that's the case for a lot of people in my generation. Um, but I, I think one of the great things that we can do is, is introduce people like um, Dr. Wirakun to, to, to speak to you, and also she has a vast amount of resources online, so to just introduce you to a person like that. She's also got a few books here um, tonight that are for sale, and I'll tell you a bit more about them later. Um, but it's great to be able to introduce you to people like her. Um, Dr. Wirakun is somebody who's uh, studied medicine and, and has a good understanding of Of medicine and and that world, and she's able to apply that knowledge into the world of sexual health. Um, And she's been doing that for the the last uh, 40 years, I think it is, 40 years, 30 or 40 years. Um, She's lectured um, at Sydney University, and she's been the director of a graduate program um, in in sexual health at Sydney University up until she retired in in 2011. And uh, since then, she's just been speaking uh, on issues of sexuality and health um, broadly in Christian context and non-Christian context uh she she's i'll introduce you to her her. why don't you why don't you come up on stage patricia it'd be lovely for these guys to meet you why don't you give her a hand as she comes up (laughs) thank you so much for being here with us
1: great to be here with you
0: um i i don't know that you know this but i actually know your son kamal um Uh
1: That's not a surprise because a lot of people know my son. Come yeah, on, yeah, yeah. that kind of personality. I yeah. wonder whom he takes after. <laughs> he
0: does, he he talks a lot, but what he says is usually quite good. So I, I guess hope he gets you that from. say the his... same
1: thing about me. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I'm sure that we'll talks be very pleased with what you have to say. Um, anyway, I'm going to hand over to you uh, for about 40 minutes, and then we're going to have a break. Um, and after the break. Uh, we're going to have Q&A, so I'm just going to put my number on the, on the screen. If you have questions, even questions that you've just come into the room with, you don't even need to wait to hear what Patricia has to say, you've just brought questions with you, um, grab that number down, um, text it if you have questions, um, and then after we have a break we'll have a Q&A, um, and hopefully we'll have plenty of questions for you. Are
1: we working the...
0: I'm happy to do it for you.
1: No, I can do it. Is it connected to this? Yep. I can do yep. it on that. Great. Great.
0: Thank Great. you, Patricia.
1: Okay. Thank you very much. And uh, that was a very gracious introduction. But just in case you are thinking, what is this old postmenopausal subcontinental woman got to say to us? <laughs> just another quickie about me. I was born in Sri Lanka, in the tea plantations of Sri Lanka, and went to medical school there. I was teaching at the medical faculty in Sri Lanka, and then did my post graduate study in hawaii that's where i kind of got into sex i was studying sexuality at the university of hawaii and i was worshiping in a wonderful evangelical southern baptist church so at that time i used to go to uni and then go out let's say socializing with my colleagues and in the evenings, I would be doing Bible study and talking to the minister. And I would be able to bring together what I consider my twin passions of God and sex. Went back to Sri Lanka, and for six years, I was the only sex therapist in the country. Very busy, 20 million population. And 29 years ago, we moved to Australia. I got into the University of Sydney, and as Daniel said I have been lecturer there and director of a graduate program in sexual health. In 2011, I retired, meaning to do things that 65-year-olds do, (laughs) maybe travel, do my knitting, but God had completely different ideas, and so I have been talking and writing about sex. On the other hand, that is a great career, isn't it? I mean, what a job of retirement, talking, Writing, reading, (laughs) sex. Doesn't leave a lot of time for having sex, but that's okay. (laughs) My son says that's why he's an only child. (laughs) Anyway, so what we're going to talk about today is basically to look at sexuality and the cyber world your children are living in. So although we call it like birds and bees, I have still to figure out as a sexologist what the birds and bees actually have to do with it. So sex education and what I call the cyber generation. So what I'd like to do is talk to you about your kids, why we need to understand what is happening for them, and how we need to understand the science of sexuality and the culture in which they are, and critique that, and enable our children to critique it from a Christ-focused biblical point of view. And my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, there has never been a time when this has been more important. You and I today and our children are at, at a point of cultural nexus where being a Christian is totally countercultural. And you and I may have the strength to be able to withstand these pressures, the winds of culture, but our children are very vulnerable. And that is what I hope you will understand. And through that, know that you as parents and grandparents and aunties and uncles, your role is so important in their lives. So what I want to do is initially just tell you these are your kids. Your kids I belong to generation Z or EZ. These are the teenagers. They're the ones who are digital, visual, global, cyber connected. They're hyperlinked. Everything is just a click away. But then you have your littlies, the ones who are six and two and three years old, what is called generation alpha, because he finished his ed, so we had to start with alpha. These are the kids who are what are called the glass ages. They don't even have to press a keyboard, they only swipe right or swipe left. I talked to somebody whose little granddaughter toddles up to the television and swipes right, because. Because you know, that's how you change images in their world. They are multitask, multi screen, known as the glass ages. For them, all communication, for teenagers, but more so for the littler ones, all communication is in the cyber world. Friendships and even the very sources of identity come from this cyber world around them. Your children are the most connected, socially aware, advertised to, and sexualized generation who ever walked this planet. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, all the research says that they are the ones least likely to stay on in church. This is why you are so important. So very briefly, some of the communication spaces of your children. I'm sure all of you can identify most or all of these apps. Correct? Yeah, you can. Now, if I had year fives and sixes instead of you parents, they would have said, yeah, we can identify them all. But how about just the ones the arrows are pointing to? Can anyone identify that little red ball with a little white squiggle on it? Every year five and six I will you know that. Come on, younger parents, you must know that. Ever heard of Musically? Oh, yeah. There you are. Good for you. Musically is an app which allows kids to live stream music and then mimic moves to it, and live video stream it to the world. Live video streaming of year fives and year sixes, doing very sexualized poses and movements. If your kids have it on their phones, it is a dangerous app to have. This is just one. The another one at the bottom with a red one with a little flame-like thing on it. Anyone, the one at the bottom under? the dating and hookup apps. It's called Hot or Not, one of the other very uh, popular teen apps. You can, on un- teen sites, you can understand what it is. You put up a picture and you get rated on hotness scales. You can imagine how depressing and how awful it can be for some kids, and they still do it. Then what about the one at the top that says Hide It? That's one that looks like a calculator, behaves like a calculator, till you put in a code, and then it hides everything that you don't want your parents to see. My dear parents, aunties, uncles, grandparents, you have to know what's on your kid's phone. You have to be a social media mentor. It's not about policing it is about mentoring your kids if it is on their phone and they are not okay with you knowing about it it should not be on your children's phone this is something you have to do because today it is about it's not just you know nasty old people lurking there and pedophiles it's about cyberbullying there's so much out there it's about pornography So please, you need to know. And there are two sites there, Common Sense Media, and those two sites are really useful sites which rate the app, so please, if you want to, I'm happy to send it to you, but I think you've got a printout of it. So, ignorance is no longer an option. You cannot keep your kids innocent. You are the ones who have to guide, ...nurture and give your children a godly value set. It is your duty to teach your children to not conform to the pattern of the world... ...but to be transformed by the renewing of their mind. And I'll tell you in a moment why this renewing of the mind is so important for young people. I was quoting from Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. It is your God-given responsibility to do this, to guide your children. So, why did I say I'll be talking about renewing of the mind? It's very important for us to understand the uh, the brain that our kids are carrying around. And I just want to very briefly talk to you about the vulnerability of the growing, developing brain. Firstly, the brain, the children's brain from very young age to to the early 20s, is a work in progress, immense potential. It doesn't mean that it is deficient. It just means that it is rapidly developing. It's like a network upgrade that is happening constantly. The networks that are used will be kept, and the ones that are not used will be lost. It's a use it or lose it process. What we have to understand, that when you say it's a use it or lose it process, there is nature and nurture, there's a biology, but what goes into the brain will affect the wiring. This whole process is called neuroplasticity. Your brain is plastic, your brain is plastic, my brain is plastic, What we feed our brain will affect the wiring. But the developing brain, because it is developing so rapidly, is excruciatingly sensitive to things that come, any influence from outside, neuroplasticity. 2,000 plus years ago, the Apostle Paul, writing to the Philippian church in 4.8, said, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, think about these things. Today we call it neuroplasticity. You know, the Bible talks to us. What you feed your brain will affect your values, your attitudes, your thinking. Do you know what your children are watching? Do you know the television programs they're watching? Do you know what they're doing in their friends' houses? Do you know what's on their phones? Do you know? Are they watching shows, even like Game of Thrones, which seems so exciting, but is full of pornography? Do you use, do you find out, do you sit with them? Do you talk to them about the media literacy of judging what is good and not for their brain? That's one point. The second point is that not all parts of the brain develop at the same rate. The developing brain, the teen brain develops back to front, inside out. So the inside back bit, which is what we call the emotional brain, erupts like a volcano when they hit puberty. Do you remember the time when your little boy or little girl turned into an alien? (laughs) That was when that emotional brain erupts like a volcano. And it's the brain that says, "I no longer want to be mummy and daddy's little boy or little girl. I want to find my own identity. I want to take risks. I want to be somebody of my own. And ooh, this thing called sex. I want to find out what it is." That's your in their emotional brain. Erupting and it has to, otherwise, they'll never grow up, they'll never find an identity. They'll be 40 years like my son and still cuddling up on mummy's lap, and that would be awful for mommy's arthritis. But the reality is that these are things that have to happen. What then is the concern we have? It's that the part of the brain that is involved in self-control, the part of the brain that we call the executive brain, that develops much slower. It actually doesn't develop completely till the mid-20s. So what have we got? We've got a brain that's erupting emotionally, sexually, risk-taking, with very little control. I tell teenagers, your brain is like a red Ferrari on steroids, with the accelerator to the floor, and hardly any brake pedal, and no GPS. And guess who God created to be a GPS? You, and the youth workers, and teachers, but above all, you. My dear parents, the developing brain needs help. You have to be there to talk to them about sex, but about everything. In Proverbs 22, we read, Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Start. Never too early, never too often. So important that you understand the brain and work with your kid's brain. Second thing I want to spend a few minutes uh, talking to you about is where do they find kids today, find their identity, their significance, their popularity? Now, while I'm saying this about children, first thing I need all of us to understand as adults is that kids watch and learn from you. So although I'm talking about where do young people find their identity, it is important for us as adults to also consider where are we finding our identity because your kids are watching and learning from you. Teens are moving from I am a child, mommy, daddy, uncle, auntie, grandpa, grandma, to being somebody in the world. And who drives this? It's their friends, the peer group, and of course, the cyber world around them. So what is it? Today's world tells our children and us, we have to be true to ourselves. Be true to yourself, you are told. Be who you want to be. What you do, is who you are, so find your identity by experimenting with sexuality, with whatever you do, your gender, find yourself and that will be your identity and once you have found this identity in your sexuality or in whatever or in being the most cutest or hottest or the best ripped abs or thigh gap or butt selfies or whatever, once you found that identity, then put it out to the world and assess your popularity on how many likes you get or how many downloads you get. This is the cyber world identity driven by the social pressures, and especially today in terms of gender and sexual pressures, sexual activity, gender, finding out who you are—you know, are you trans, bi, fluid, or any of the other seventy-two terminology on Facebook? You know, you've got to find yourself and then be that. I don't have much time, but I could tell you so many anecdotes of what young people have told me. What is the outcome of this cyber world identity driven by culture? We just need to look around, and we see the rates of depression and anxiety and suicidality and self-harm rising across the world. Statistics coming from all over the globe, including Australia. Kids today are anxious. They are sad, they are depressed, increasingly self-harming. Why? The increase of teenagers going in for plastic surgery, girls. Not for boob jobs, but asking for genital surgery because they think their genitals don't look as cute as the porn stars they're watching. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, if our children continue to place their identity on these cultural world-driven norms, we're going to end up with very, very dangerous situation with our young people. And you know, as Christians, we know that we have an identity that is given, not earned in any way Teach your children this. Read the Bible with them. Teach them how they are created in the image of God, male and female. Talk to them how from the moment of conception, God knew them. Psalm 139, you knew me. You knit me in my mother's womb, says King David. And when I talk to teenagers, I say, do you think mommy and daddy were knitting? (laughs) they were having the best sex ever. I said that once and one kid actually came up to me and said, were they really having the best sex ever? I said, oh definitely, go home and talk to them tonight and they'll tell you all about it. So, but the reality is, you see, you didn't know when your baby was being knit in your womb. You know, you didn't, mom, you didn't know till about six or seven weeks later when you started puking all over. But God knew. See, God knew, and our kids need to know that, that they are special, that they are known by God from the moment of conception, that that is the only identity they will need. If you kids don't understand this, they will be swayed by every wind of society that says it is your gender, it is your sexuality, it is being sexually active, or it is being the cutest or hottest with where your identity lies. Give your children that identity that can say that "I have no who my father is." that I know that my body, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, my body is the home of the Holy Spirit. My body is part of Jesus' body. I will honor God with my body. Teach your children what that means. If you honor your body and you honor the body of the person you're dating or you're engaged to, you will never have asked them for sex. I tell teenagers, if you send... Um, you know ask a girl for a boob shot or a nude selfie is that honoring how can sending a picture of your genitals to someone be honoring that person or honoring your body there is nothing shameful about talking about these things because if you don't talk about it they will hear it from friends and they will follow what their friends say so Tell them, teach them, they are not what their mirror says, their Instagram says, their sexual orientation or their identity says they are. They are whom Jesus Christ, God says they are, and that is all that matters. So important that you give them that overview of who they are, that identity. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about sex. (laughs) She said they think... Finally, that's what we came for. <laughs> that came out terribly. You came to talk about sex education. Anyway, so let's, when we talk about sex, we talk about three things. What is sexual desire? What is this thing called romantic love? What happens when you're sexually intimate? As parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, I think it's good for us to understand the science and the word of God so we can critique our culture of today. A lot of what we are going to be talking about from now on in Australia is going to be very politically incorrect. I was looking for the word for it. But because we are speaking, thus says the word of God. It's going to become increasingly politically unacceptable. However, as Christians, I think we have no option but to speak what the word of God says. So... What about sexual desire? Desire of any sort. Desire of any sort is a wanting for something. Sexual desire begins to simmer at puberty. When a child reaches puberty, there is this simmering of I want sex. It's a kind of a little of an amorphous thing. For some kids it's more like sex, sex, where can I get it, where can I get it? And for others it's like sex, yeah, whatever. If it comes by, I might consider it. It's the same at whatever age. Now, even here, there'll be some for whom, like, I can't wait till I get home, and, you know. And for others, it's like, eh, maybe next year. Uh, so, that's only 30 days away. So, you know. So, the reality is that we all wa- vary in our this wanting of sex. And that's all it is. It's driven by testosterone. In general, men have more testosterone, so boys have more testosterone, but it's it's driven by testosterone. It's a wanting. Now, in our culture and in every culture today, in Western cultures, the rhetoric of desire says it's not just a want, it is a need and a right for me to have whatever I desire. Now, we as Christians need to understand this and help our children understand this. And the way we need to help our children understand is that desire is a gift from a good God. I used to tell my son, no wonder the poor child is still 42 and unmarried. I told him that, you know, if dad and I didn't feel desire, you won't be here today. Because desire is a good gift, with a purpose and a place for it to be played out in. And our kids need to hear this. It's a good gift. I mean, Adam, when he saw Eve, it was like, oh, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. The most beautiful woman I've ever seen. He'd never seen another one. But, you know, the point is that there was this desire, Garden of Eden, when he said, you are so like me, but, whoa, where it matters, you are so different. And so there was this excitement. And in Song of Songs, the woman says to her lover, you know, love is as strong as death. It's jealousy, unyielding as a grave. It burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench it. Once you flame that simmer of want, it becomes a flame. So you take that little simmering want and you feed it, neuroplasticity, with lust, and with pornography, it becomes a flame, and flames are hard to put down, especially in a brain where the control systems are still developing. So early exposure to porn, to any form of sexuality, to friends who are talking about sex and encouraging sex, and all that will flame it before the right time. Three times in Song of Songs, we read don't wake up this emotion till the right time. Three times, having said how wonderful it is. So we need to understand this so we can talk to our children because that is not what the world is telling them. We need to teach our children, desire is good, but we are given self-control. Self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. We can develop our control. I tell young people, developing self-control is like going to the gym. You know, you go to the gym and you develop your six-pack six pack, or your deltoids or your pectorals or whatever. If you want to develop your self-control, it is like going to the gym and you, dear parents and grandparents, you are the ones who can help them from the time they are very little. And in some of our books, especially in the one for the little ones called Birds and Bees by the book, surprise, what a title. But in that one, we actually help parents to do to help kids to develop self-control from a very, very young age. Now, we also need to tell, talk to our children that sex is not the thing that will bring you fulfillment. See, today, that's the other lie that Satan uses. If you don't have sex, you are not a fulfilled, complete human being. That must mean that our Lord Jesus Christ and the Apostle Paul were incomplete. You see, we worship a single Savior. The Bible is clear. Singleness is a good state. Marriage is a good state. Sex in marriage is a place for it. But celibate singleness is a wonderful place to be. And we need to teach our children this, that sex will never fulfill you. Only Christ can. No boyfriend or girlfriend can fulfill you. Not even a husband or a wife can complete you. Only Christ can. I tell young people, I've been a doctor for almost 50 years, a sexologist for almost 40. I've seen people die of lack of medicine, water, healthcare. Not one empirically reported case of death by lack of sex. Not <laughs> one. Nobody died. People die by having sex. Not by never, by not having sex. So that's desire. We need to talk to our children because the world says completely different. What about falling in love? Ah, you're here as parents and grandparents. You know what that falling in love feeling was. Throw your mind back. You sat in church. There was this talk on, I don't know, Ezekiel or something. And you looked across and there he was. Oh, you had that pupil dilating, you know, sweating in the middle of winter, heart palpitation. You wanted him by your side, in your arms, in your bed as soon as possible. That is lust on super steroids. Different chemical, which fascinatingly is called dopamine because it makes you dopey. It's sprayed all over your brain, and basically, it motivates you. It deal, it sprayed through what we call the reward system, and it motivates you and says that person is my beloved. Throw your mind back to your days of courtship. I would die without you," he said. Nonsense. He wouldn't die, but it felt like that, didn't it? That emotion, falling in love, that romantic love is like an obsession. The same chemical changes in obsessive compulsive behavior. The same changes take place if you take a cocaine hit. Love is an addiction. The parts of your brain that are involved in rational judgment are actually suppressed. Ever thought, looked at someone and thought, what does she see in him? She ain't seeing. Love is blind. You see, that romantic love, that limerence that motivates intimacy with that person is actually like being under the influence. So decisions taken during that time are actually decisions under the influence. So we tell young people when they come and say, I'm so in love, what we say, can you just stay friends for a little while? Because at the moment you're totally dopey. So telling young people, just get over it, will not work because they're under the influence. But knowing what is happening helps because when I talk to young people and I say, you know when you're in love, you know those feelings? It's just the dopiness of dopamine. So you need to understand it and then you can make the decisions and get help to make the decisions because what you hear from a cultural rhetoric is that if I am motivated for, to be with that person, with my beloved, it must mean that I must have sex with that person. Can you see how it works out? The beloved, that intimacy means sexual intimacy. But we know. That true love is not about owning that person's body for my self-gratification. That true love looks to the other and says, how can I honor and build you up? True love is as in 1 Corinthians 13, the action that seeks the good of the other. Love that does not dishonor, is not self-seeking, it protects, it trusts, it hopes, it perseveres. My dear parents, please teach your children this, because that is not what they're hearing from the world. I was just reading a paper yesterday that said, virginity is so yesterday that kids who are virgins and sexually inexperienced are finding themselves stigmatized and bullied because they haven't had sex. This is a counter-cultural living that we are calling our children to. Purity is unpopular. It's actually like a swear word, who wants to be pure? We are calling our children to be countercultural. Being Christian today is a countercultural life. Be with your children, guide them on this path. When they are dating, talk to them about how you treat the other person. Show it in your life. Show them that non sexual, intimate friendships are possible. This is not what they're hearing. I have 12 year olds who come up to me and say, I like boys and I like girls. I must be bisexual. And I say, Yeah, you like boys and you like girls. That's called friendship. See, there isn't a, there isn't a sort of a, a place for friendship anymore, it's only about sexuality. So talk to them. Show them in your life that non-sexual intimate friendships can and should be enjoyed. Teach them that. Why is this so important? It is because sexual intimacy is a binding act. What do you think in Genesis it's called a naked and no shame, one flesh. When you are sexually intimate, and I'm not just talking intercourse, sexual intimacy binds two people together, different chemicals, oxytocin prolactin, same thing that binds a baby and the mother when they are suckling at the breast. So when a person two people are sexually intimate, they are bonded at a brain level. They are also bonded at some deeper soul level. It's like two people being super glued, that when you tear apart, it's like you leave bits of yourself with each other. Sexual intimacy is a binding act. Teach your children that. It is so important that they understand that. And they understand that they have a choice in the world today. Role model it to them. Teach them that sexual desire is a powerful feeling. Falling in love is a strong motivation for intimacy. But intimacy is meant for a place, for a purpose, and that is marriage. Show them that, demonstrate, let them see other couples who are happily married and young couples. Let them see role models. You see, they have a choice, you have a choice to feed your brain with the deviant sexual fantasies of pornography, which I will talk about in a minute, and have sex with whoever. And they can use their body, you can use your body as a commodity, but finally, even if you have a momentary pleasure of an orgasm, it will leave us empty and seeking for more. Because God is very clear, it is only in that one man, one woman sexual encounter that we have that true sex. But also remember that contentment in singleness and celibacy is possible because we are created for relationships and sexual intimacy is only one of these. So, having given you that overview, I just want to talk briefly about two elephants in the room in the church and that is pornography and gender so i'm going to be very brief with this so please feel free to ask questions today in our culture our kids are going to be from the time they are in primary school being taught that they can choose whoever they want to be in terms of their gender and do whatever they want to be gender fluidity we i just want you to understand i just want to very briefly talk to you about Gender is incredibly complex. This is like the one and a half hour lecture in two minutes. Yeah. I've, there is biological gender. We are in the mother's womb created male or female. We can never be male and female because our genitals come from the same set of cells and they go either that way or this way. With me so far. Now, in a few instances, about 2 to 3 in, I think, something like 5,000, this clear development doesn't happen. And you have disorders of sex development, the common word for which is intersex. Have you heard that word? So you all know what LGBTQI is? Yeah, very good. Of course you Baptists are so much more educated than Anglicans, right? When it comes to gender and sex anyway. So, so the I in LGBTQI is intersex. Now, intersex is not a third sex. Intersex is a condition where the genitalia are not clearly developed male or female. I'm happy to take questions on that. So, that's biology. Then we have identity. Identity is this brain recognition of who am I. It's a feeling, I am male, I am female, I am something in between, I'm questioning, I'm queer, I am fluid, whatever, in the brain, the feeling. And in one in 10,000 to one in 30,000 people, This is the best statistics we have. This brain feeling of gender is incongruent with what the body is. You get that? The brain says, I'm female, but my whole body is male, or vice versa. That is where the T of the LGBTQI comes, transgender. For those of you who might have heard of the gender phenomenon, the Caitlyn Jenner phenomenon. Now that again is an incredibly complex issue, but I'm happy to take questions. Sadly, we are being told that this is happening at an earlier and earlier age. We leave that to Q&A if anyone wants to ask questions. Then we have what we call same-sex sexuality. That is sexual orientation. That is who am I sexually attracted to? So there we have the attraction, and the behavior. So I am attracted to someone, do I choose to behave on that desire? Remember what we talked about desires? Desires happen, do we choose to live by that desire? Do we choose to identify ourselves based on what we choose to do? So there is a desire, behavior, and identity. So there's all these complexities in gender, and our children need to understand this in all our books. From the ones for the youngest, that is the birds and bees by the book, that's six set of six books, and one of them is understanding gender, because today we need to talk to our kids about gender in primary school, otherwise they're going to get very confused at what they meet and see. Now, so the sexual orientation is a lesbian, gay, bisexual, questioning, queer, that's the LGBTQ of the acronym. Okay, so the Bible clearly tells us we are created binary, but we are a fallen people, and therefore things go wrong. And for some people, these gender concerns can be biological. But for some people, it can be also social pressures. Happy to take questions on that. So before we finish, I want not finish. In this section, I want to very briefly talk about pornography. Pornography is anything that is sexually explicit, and created to titillate and arouse. You might think it's only on the iPhone and the computer. However, it is everywhere. It's in comic books, anime, hentai comics. I don't know whether you know, but your kids will know about it. It's on television. It's everywhere. What is the problem with pornography? Pornography basically hijacks those dopamine circuits and floods it, a super stimulation of deviant fantasy sex, neuroplasticity. Teen brains are about as four to five times as sensitive to these sexual feelings of porn stimulation as adult brains. So they can get their brains wired quicker than you and me. So, porn use in young people creates neural pathways very fast. And after a while, their whole thinking becomes what we call pornified. And they get desensitized to it and need more and more. 80% of porn is abusive to women. The average age of porn exposure is 11 years. Men, boys who watch porn, accept that women are commodities to be used for their pleasure, and this is research, tells us that they accept violence as normal. Almost 100% of young men today would have had some porn exposure. And we talk about sexual harassment. This is the, I mean, porn is all right, but, you know, the, Can you see how, you know, almost schizophrenic we are in our thinking? See, pornography rewires the brain. We are seeing an increase of child-on-child sexualized behavior in primary schools. This is why you need to be talking to your primary schoolers. Teen girls are accepting that porn is a given and that anal sex and oral sex is just the way they please boys. I had girl tell me that he said that if I give him oral sex, he'll kiss me. It's this bargaining tools that are porn driven. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, you have to talk to your children. The research tells us that teens are more likely to use porn when they perceive that their peers approve and use porn. And teens are less likely to use pornography when their parents set boundaries on the use of social media and discuss their disapproval of pornography. This is research. Why do we need the research? We know that you are the ones who can set those values for your children. So let's pull it together. And take time out, so taking time out for that discussion on sex with your children is very important. So once you've got that, sex is caught and taught. Be a role model. It's good for your kids to see mom and dad being intimate. Cuddles at the kitchen sink are fine. If your kids run in the bedroom when you're having sex, that's okay. Use it as a teachable moment, not at that moment, later. But then later fix a lock on the door and talk to your kids about mom and dad need time together. But the the reality is that look for teachable moments. There are teachable moments on television now. Almost every day we are hearing about sexual harassment. Talk to your children. When they turn around and ask, what does that mean? Talk to them about good touch, bad touch, about people you can trust. Be available, approachable, and be authoritative. That means not authoritarian, just because I say do it, but be authoritative, be there for them, talk to them, and be approachable. If you are on your smartphone all the time, what do you expect from your children? Share your identity. Share that fulfillment is more than just their sexuality. We've talked about being a social media mentor. But always watch for teachable moments and behavior changes. If you notice that anything your kid's different, don't be afraid to ask them. And don't be afraid to talk to teachers. Have an auntie or uncle or somebody, cousin, as a pickup person. You know, it's really hard for a child to come up and say, Mom, Dad, I'm watching porn. It's really hard because there's shame and guilt and the fact that they are not living up to your expectations. But if they have an auntie, an uncle, a cousin they can talk to, please... It's always good to have someone. So many people. I have been auntie and auntie too. It's not every Sri Lankan kid almost. So, and be there to pick up the pieces because things can go wrong. You know, even the best brought up kids can do crazy things just as you and I can. We all live in a broken world with broken desires. But always remember that we worship a God who came and died for us, for our sinners, your sinners, I am, and our children are, so be there for them, and point them, keep pointing them back to the Lord Jesus Christ, because you see, God accepts every one of us just as we are. Teach your children, He doesn't want us to stay there, He wants us to grow, He wants us to be more godly. Be unashamed in talking about aspects of sexuality with your children. And for those of you who are interested in the resources, those are all my, all our books. But I just talk about the kiddie books. We wrote Teen Sex by the book first. That's for 15 plus. It's a kind of book you give the kids. They throw it away in the bin and then pick it up and take it to the room. It was uh, banned by public schools in 2016, which was interesting because it was never on the curriculum. But once it was banned, kids were going to the chaplain and saying, can we have that banned sex book? (laughs) Great. Chaplains were buying copies to give away when they were the banned book. Um, So that's for teenagers. Growing up by the book is for 10 to 14s. And we suggest that parents read it and then give it to the kids because through the book, there are talk to mom and dad, talk to mom and dad, discussion setters. Birds and Bees by the book is a set of six books. They're little books that we went to a lot of trouble to write because we wanted it in a way that parents, grandparents, carers can read with children. This is anything from 7 to 10, 11. Some are reading it from like 12, 13. Some are reading at a younger age. But this is for you to read the six books, Me and My Body, Me and My Brain, Me and My Family, because you need to understand that kids today are going to be seeing all sorts of family combinations. And then there is the extension books, Understanding Sexuality, Understanding Gender, and Understanding Pornography.